Uh, go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, if you would. We've been talking for some weeks now on this subject of being hungry for the Holy Spirit. Somebody say hungry. Hungry for the Holy Spirit. Did the Lord tell us to be hungry for the things of the Spirit? Oh, yeah. So we've been stirring ourselves up. And we've been believing God for revelation and understanding of the ways of the Spirit, the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter... So many good things about the gifts of the Spirit in this chapter, one of the most outstanding in the New Testament. He said in the last verse of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he said, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Covet earnestly. The best gifts. Now most of the time when you see the word covet in the scripture, it's telling you don't. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or husband or ox or house or car or stuff. Don't covet things that are bad and evil. Don't covet other people's stuff. But here he says, covet this. He could have just said desire it, but he used a stronger word. And covet would have been strong, but then he said, covet earnestly. Are we getting the message? Should we long for these things, yearn for them, reach for them, pray about them, seek them? We should. Do most Christians do that? No, they don't. Most Christians don't desire these. They're not hungry for them. It's sad that. Most Christian churches don't teach them, don't preach them, don't even believe in them for today. Don't believe in speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Don't believe in prophecy and gifts of healings, workings of miracles, etc., etc. They teach actually that that's all passed away. That, you know, maybe Jesus could do that and maybe the apostles could do that, but when the last apostle died, all that ceased, and, and now we got the Bible, and that's all we need, and people don't believe in it. Well, if you don't even believe in it or believe it's for today, you're sure not coveting it earnestly. You're not expecting it at all because you don't even believe in it. Well, we can't control everybody else. Not going to try. But we're going to do what he said do. We are going to believe in them. And we're going to seek them. And we're going to covet them. And not just now while we're teaching on them, but the rest of the year. And next year. And the next. We're not going to be satisfied until we're seeing them. Manifested in our midst. Right? Till we're seeing the fruit of it. We're going to hunger and seek and desire and believe and pray and talk about them and think about them. Until they are a part of our life. Now we have a record of the, you know, the beginning days of the early church as we call it. Same church we're a part of. There's not two different churches. And we see how the church is supposed to operate. 
The book of Acts shows us. It kicks off by talking in tongues. And then you see them talking in tongues again, talking in tongues again, talking in tongues again. I think a lot of folk don't realize it, but the epistles are written to tongue talkers. The Corinthians were tongue talkers. So were the Ephesians. So were the Colossians. So were the Philippians. Tongue talkers, tongue talkers, tongue talkers. People say, well, I don't believe in all that. Watch what you're saying. I'm quoting Bible. I'm talking Bible. Well, I know it's in there, but it's passed away. Said who? (laughs) What scripture says that? Well, it says tongue shall cease. (laughs) It also says prophecies will and knowledge will cease. Why you pick one of them out? There will come a day when we won't need tongues like we do now. What happened at the Tower of Babel where people and languages were divided is going to be fixed. And we'll be able to communicate at the speed of light and thought. And dialects and languages won't even be an issue. We have got something to look forward to, friends. I'm glory to God. How many believe Jesus speaks every language? There's people praying to him all over the world and talking to him, praying to the Father. Does he understand them? Does he need a translator? (laughs) Certainly not. But you and I, in this present body and condition, are limited. So what good does it do babbling on in those tongues? just sounds like gibberish to me. Well, I refer you to the Bible. It talks about how we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit helps us. Talks about when we speak in an unknown tongue, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Talks about when we're praying in the Spirit, we're praying and speaking out mysteries. What good does it do? All kind of good. Enabling us to pray out beyond our limited, and I don't care who you are, limited understanding. How many speak in tongues and you would not go back to not speaking for any amount of money in the world? I was a Christian for years who didn't speak in tongues. I've been a Christian for many more years now who does. And, you know, you can't comment on it if you don't have experience on both sides. You're just ignorant and don't know. Doesn't mean you're not intelligent. How many understand ignorant is not the same thing as unintelligent? Just means you don't know. You have no experience in something. I had a fellow one time want to come get gruff with me about tongues. And I just stopped. And I said, do you speak in tongues? No. I said, well, then you obviously don't know anything about the subject. <laughs> right? Got no experience in it. Right. None. I do. You should be down, sitting down and being quiet and asking questions. Right. You know, they did the same thing with Jesus, didn't they? Right. They taught Jesus and said, you cannot heal people on the Sabbath day. It's wrong. We got scripture 
and we know the Sabbath is holy, and you can't do it. And I mean, they made a giant deal out of it. Now, of course, they never had a healing day themselves on any of the other days of the week. They never had any healing meetings or delivering meetings, and yet they're supposed to be qualified to tell him how he can't do it. Well, these folk are still with us today. <laughs> but anyhow, don't, you know, don't get upset. If you, you know, there's millions of people, they love the Lord, they're born again, they don't speak in tongues and never have. But it's for you, my friend. Amen. I said it's for you. Amen. Don't doubt it. It's a matter of faith. It's easy. <laughs> and it is wonderful. Yes. And the reason I talk about it is because it is the doorway into all these things. And lack of being able to pray in the Spirit and yielding to the Holy Spirit is why so many people get in their head and intellectual and they try to explain all these things and make them natural. They say, well, gifts of healings, that's doctors and nurses. Thank God for doctors, but no, that's not what this is talking about. Well, divers kinds of tongues, that's people that have good linguistic ability. They can learn languages and and word of wisdom, that's people that's been to school a lot and they're real smart. And no, no. Every one of these is supernatural. Every one of them. Gloriously so. Every one of them. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter and go further tonight. Are you hungry? To, do you desire? Do you want to learn some more about it? Learn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Doesn't want us ignorant about these things. Verse uh, 4. There are diversities of gifts. Somebody say gifts. Gifts. But the same spirit. Differences of administrations, or the margin says ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Now you know verse 4 he calls them gifts. Here he says manifestation. Well it is a manifestation of a gift. Of the Spirit is given to who? Every man to profit withal. Is this just for a very few that are super spiritual and super holy? Or is this for every man among believers? Is it? It is. We need to believe this now. These, you know, any one of these manifestations, these gifts we're about to read, it's possible that they could manifest to you or through you as a believer, particularly as a spirit-filled believer. Now keep reading. He said, verse 8, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to who? Every man, severally, as he will. 
Now, we've been on this for some weeks now, and we've covered a number of these already. These nine gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. And we said they logically fall into three groups of three. And I mention this because he said covet earnestly what? The best. Well, which ones are the best? Well, I like one definition. One fellow said, well, uh, the best one is the one you need at the time. (laughs) And there's certainly some truth to that. But uh, best, I think, another way I think that Greek word could be translated, if you look at it even in other translations, is greater. Not per se best in quality, but a greater in place. Now, uh, three of these manifestations are speaking manifestations. Different kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. So three of them say something. Three of these manifestations reveal something. How many believe God knows everything about everything? And could he reveal something to you and make you to know something that you would have no other way of knowing it? You didn't learn it from experience or from a book or from anything else. He knew it and showed it to you. And now you know it. Well, that's supernatural, though, and it's not acquiring knowledge or wisdom or seeing or knowing by natural means, but by supernatural means. And that's what these deal with, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Now, we've talked about every one of these, all six of these that we've just got through mentioning, and uh, this is valuable. If these things sound strange to you, and you think, well, I didn't hear it that way, and I don't, that sounds strange to me, I don't know about it. Don't take my word for it, but don't be closed-minded either. Get the materials. Sit down with your Bible. Prove me wrong. You might know what I'm talking about, but not with your opinion. I don't, that's not going to cut it. Other scripture, right? Rightly divide the scripture, the Bible says. So we've also been into these other three, the power gifts, our manifestations, and they are gifts of healings, working of miracles, and special faith. And last week we talked about which one? Anybody remember? Workings of miracles. Is it still for today? Is our life supposed to read like the book of Acts? Hmm? Our churches, our ministries, are we supposed to be having the same kind of services and kind of miracles and kinds of experiences and revelations as they had in the book of Acts? Is it true? We got the same spirit they do. Got the same name of Jesus, got the same Lord, got the same gospel, right? Why should it be different? It should not be different. People have become intellectual instead of spiritual. They think education covers everything. It doesn't. There's some good things about education. But you know, it depends on who's teaching you and what they know. So I got a degree. Well, that may or may not be so good. You got a degree in what? And did the folks teaching you know what they were talking about? Right? You can be taught wrong. Hmm? You can have degrees in darkness. There are people who go to universities and lose their faith. And come out 
weaker than before and miserable. You understand, you can be, by the world standard, a genius and yet be a fool. You can be able to have a memory that amazes people. You can rattle off half of an encyclopedia and have a uh, vocabulary that would fill a dictionary and yet be suicidal. Hmm? Be absolutely miserable. Knowledge alone will not fulfill you. Knowledge alone, I don't care how much of it you're talking about, will not make you a good person, will not satisfy you. Come on, Christians, tell me what will satisfy every man and woman on the planet. It's knowing God. Not just in theory. Knowing him in experience, in reality. And he seeks it himself. He's not just aloof from us. It says, they that worship God must worship him how? In, not just in your head and with your flesh. In spirit and in truth, the Father seeks such to worship him. That's why the Bible says, when you draw near to him, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. And not just to read you a report. The Holy Ghost, my friend, will get in a chair with you and manifest himself. The reality is, so that sounds weird to me. That scares me. It should not. <laughs> Let me tell you what's scary is living a dry intellectual life your whole life without him. That's scary. So, well, I'm, I'm not happy and it, my life ain't much, but I mean, that's the way everybody is, right? No. There are some people that are happy. Hmm? And it's not based on what they've got or what they don't have or their education or their popularity. It's not based on any of that. How many believe the Bible in his presence is fullness of joy? (laughs) Knowing him. Not just knowing books. Knowing him. Not just knowing about him, knowing him. If you don't know him, you can fix that tonight. Right here, right now. You can leave a changed man, and I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not just talking. How many that have been born again would say it's absolutely the truth? You can be totally changed. You can become another person. That's why it's called being born again. Hmm? Nine gifts of the Spirit. Covet them earnestly, he says. Three that speak. We could say God speaks through them. Three that do something. God manifesting his power through them. Three that reveal something. God revealing himself. I want us to look at, I guess this will be the ninth one we've talked about, right? The last of the nine that we've spoken of. Which one is it? Anybody keeping up? The Bible said faith. For to one is given faith. Now, a lot of times people that haven't understood these things, they read that and just like they do with tongues, they say, well, see, you know, not everybody's going to have faith. If God wants me to have faith, he'll give it to me. But it's as he wills. Hmm? 
Well, I see people that don't know. They'd say the same thing as they do about tongues or any of these other things. No, every one of these, uh, for instance, tongues and faith, wisdom, knowledge, these things, they are the same in essence as others, but there's a difference in how it's manifested and there's a difference in the degree of it. We've talked about this before. Healing. There are no intelligent people who don't believe in healing. They just are not. You say, well, I know some. Well, next time they tell you, I don't believe in healing, you ask them if they ever scraped their knee or cut their hand or scraped a knuckle. And most of them can tell you all kinds of stories. Oh, man, yeah, one day, you know, even when I was a kid, I rode my bike down a big hill, and I hit a rock in the road, and whoo, I hit the side, scraped my knee so bad, and you say, well, let's see it. Oh, no, that was years ago. It's healed. It's what? (laughs) It's what? Thought you didn't believe in that. Oh, no, it's different. It's not different. It's not different. How many understand doctors don't heal? Thank God for them. A lot of us wouldn't be here tonight <laughs> if it wasn't for them. But, uh, you know, any good doctor or nurse or person in the medical care uh, that has some understanding, they'd tell you they don't heal. I mean, they can treat you. Surgeons can cut you open. They can remove a problem. They can sew you back up. And then what needs to happen? You need to heal. Can the surgeon heal you? No. Can the nurse heal you? No. He says, well, that's nature. Where did nature come from? Well, it's mother nature. You don't see no mother nature in the Bible. Or brother nature or cousin nature. It's God created the heavens and the earth. And when he made the human body, it really was made to live forever. It was not supposed to get old and die. He designed it so perfect to begin with that, I mean, even those who do research today tell us, theoretically, every cell in our body should be replaced with a brand new one every so many years, right? There's cycles. But because of aging, as we get older, we don't quite make the cycle. And that's not because God made us that way. It's because sin came in. And the curse affected the earth. And everything has been thrown off. The Bible tells us the whole earth itself is groaning and travailing. Why? You know, people talk about these hurricanes and these tsunamis and these earthquakes are the acts of God. They're not. God created it the way he wanted it to be to begin with. And the sin and the curse that has thrown it off and messed it up was not his original work. And thank God soon and very soon, he's going to fix it. Oh, how many believe Jesus is coming again? And this thing's going to get fixed. The Bible talks about, have you read the back of the book? A new heavens and a new earth. 
even said in the new one, there's not going to be any sea. Well, that'd be a lot of new real estate. (laughs) And it said there will be no curse in that. We don't even know what that's like. Imagine a world where it's never too hot. It's never too cold. (laughs) There are no cemeteries. There are no hospitals. Nobody on the planet ever has a headache or ever feels the least bit off. Even the animals don't fight. There's no violence in the jungle. There's no killing and ripping apart. The lion lies down with the lamb. That means God has restored it and made it back like he intended to be in the first place before it got messed up by sin and the curse. But I was talking about healing and how that God put healing in our body. And when you scrape your hand or something, it goes to work to make it heal up and be renewed and be restored. Well, the same place that came from, there's more. God has the ability to increase the healing that's working in a body by twofold, fivefold, tenfold, a hundredfold. And he is able to give gifts of healing anointing in these areas that are supernatural above what is normal. And when you see the healing power increased and multiplied and turned up like we're talking about to some degrees, that's why some conditions leave just like that. There's so much healing power working there, it's just gone. Glory to God. And in the working of miracles, that's another thing too. By the working of miracles, God can put eyeballs where there were no eyeballs. He can replace organs that were removed surgically. He can put pieces and parts in bodies that were born without them. How many believe that a being who could create all these planets and make you and me could certainly replace a part? Somebody say, I believe in miracles. I believe in the supernatural. I believe God can do anything. And, of course, the Bible goes on to say all things are possible with God, but also all things are possible to him or her that believes. Now, let's get into this further then. God has given to one this and another one something else, and he talks about it, and he gets down to this one, to another, verse 9, faith. The Living Bible, the New Living Testament, rather, says the same Spirit gives great faith. Somebody say great faith. faith. The Amplified says this, verse 9, to another wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. And both the Living Bible and Weymouth translation says special faith. Say it out loud, special faith, faith. great faith, faith. wonder-working faith. Now, what's the other word in this? All these are gifts. I think 
the most accurate description is to say gift of faith. These other descriptors that these translators have used, that's, they're helpful, but this is accurate. Gift of faith. So, well, isn't all faith a gift? In a sense. Well, isn't healing healing? I just got through talking for 15 minutes about that. Yes and no. It's all the same in essence, but it can be very different in how it comes and the degree in which it comes. Did you hear these two things? How it comes and what else? The degree. Faith is faith. Yes and no. Jesus talked about people who had little faith, didn't he? He talked about folks that had great faith. He talked about folks that had no faith. Is it possible for faith to grow? Yeah. One of our scriptures that we use around the church here is the faith that grows exceedingly and love that abounds. Right? Can faith grow? Yeah. So there can be different measures of faith. There can be little faith. There can be great faith. And obviously there could be Something in between there. Well, what is faith? Let me review just a little bit. Put up Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you would, please, on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But what is faith? Anybody remember? Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is, this is what faith is, the substance of things Hoped for. Now, other translations bring out that word substance to mean basis or found. Actually, the word literally means foundation of things hoped for. What else is it? The evidence of things not seen. If you look up other, you know, uh, people who know the languages and the dictionaries, they bring out that the word means persuasion. It means trust. It means reliance or confidence. What is faith? Faith is trusting, accepting, believing, being persuaded of something you've got no physical evidence for. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You cannot verify it under a microscope or with a litmus test. And it hasn't manifested yet are you with me now the substance of things hoped for that word hope means expected I mean we wouldn't be expecting it if it's already happened in this realm it hasn't happened yet where we can see it and feel it and we've got no proof of it we can't see it I'm talking about in the natural all we've got is somebody's word for it That's faith. And there are different degrees of that. But here we're talking about a gift. A gift of faith. Some people already know how faith comes. How many know how faith comes? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. But this is different. This is not faith coming by hearing. This is a gift of faith from God. Do you think that would be a good thing? 
God just give you some faith, and I'm going to get ahead of myself here a little bit, out beyond yours. <laughs> now that doesn't do away with you and me living by faith. Let me go a little further here. Can you take it tonight? Can you? Go with me to, uh, uh, let's see, Titus. Go to Titus, please, the first chapter. Say, gift of faith. Say it again. Say it again. Do you desire it? Do we? Now, when he was writing to, in 1 Corinthians 12, he wasn't just writing to John Smith in the church at Corinth. He's writing to the whole church. So do we, as a church, desire the gift of faith? We're not saying, well, I don't care unless it's manifested through me. That's all I care about. No, we're not like that. As long as it's happening, as long as it's coming through somebody somewhere, right? But we want it. We want to see it. Well, before we get through, we're going to give you some examples in the book of Acts where we see it. And that's exactly the kind of things that's supposed to be happening for us today. But we must desire it and not forget it. After tonight or after the weekend, I mean, even if we're teaching on something else six months from now, uh, you need to get stirred up in your house or in your car sometime and say, I love me some gifts of the Spirit. Woo, I love the, I want some gifts of the Spirit. I'm hungry. Lord, you remember when we taught on it for months and prayed about it? I'm holding on to that. I'll never forget it. I'm holding on. I'm holding. I'm believing to see more of them in the church and in my life any way you'd want. I'm available, but I'm just believing for them to happen. Well, it includes gifts of faith. Titus 1 and the fourth verse. Titus 1 and 4. What does it say? To Titus, my own son, after what? The common faith. Well, now here we read two translations that said special faith. Remember earlier. And this says common faith. We're talking about two different kinds of faith, not necessarily. They are the same in essence, but difference in how it comes and difference in degree. Common faith. What is common faith? The faith that we all share. The faith that is common to all of us. It is the faith that we've talked so much about. It's the faith that is the first word on the front of our building. Hmm? Faith, not gift of faith, Life Church. Faith, Life Church. What faith are we talking about? We're talking about the faith that comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. We don't. Pray for each other to get this faith. We don't lay hands on each other to get this faith. We don't beg God to give us this faith. We know how to get this faith. You get it from hearing his word. It is the faith that grows through exercise, through use. Even though your faith might be weak in an area, you can feed it on the word of God and you can use it. And in the process of time where you used to be weak, you can be powerful. You can be strong. It's the faith that you can't even please God without. That's what we're talking about, common faith. It's the faith we're supposed to live by and walk by every day. It's the faith that overcomes the world. 
That's what he, when he's talking about common faith, that's what he's talking about. Tell me how it comes. Comes by hearing. And hearing by the anointed word. The reason I keep saying that is because that's what it really says. Instead of saying hearing and hearing by the word of God, it says Christ. The word there in the Greek is Christ. Why is that significant? Well, what does Christ mean? Anointed. Why would he use that word instead of another word? You know, we, I was telling somebody the other night, we send out messages. We send out CDs and DVDs and songs and, and internet and download and TV broadcast. Had a fellow some years ago catch me one time and, and we were sending some materials and he said, well, why don't you just send Bibles? Why do you send messages of preaching and teaching? Well, that's a question that ought to be answered. Of course, he was asking it kind of sassy like, you know. But he said, why don't, you, why don't you send Bibles? That's the Word of God. It is. But how many people have got a Bible and don't know God? Hmm? Could they get to know God reading the Bible? Absolutely. But I grew up around church. And I knew about God. But I'll never forget. In my teen years, when I began to hear people preaching and teaching faith. And I didn't even half understand some of the things they were saying, and I didn't know what it was uh, then, but when I'd get through, something ministered to me. I didn't get half of it with my head. I'd owned the Bible all my life. What was the difference? Anybody know what the difference was? Come on, tell me. The anointing. Somebody reading it or teaching it or preaching it with an anointing. It's the anointing that teaches us, First John says. And sometimes people try to imply, well, just everybody need, if you just give everybody a Bible, then they'd have it. No, the Bible says, how shall they hear without, this is Romans 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? We need preachers. I need preachers. You need preachers. Why? Because there's something about the way God has designed this thing that you can read something sometimes a hundred times and then you hear a man or woman of God with an anointing on them. Right? And it's proclaimed or it's taught and you see things you never saw before. And you hear things you know. And it wasn't the man. It wasn't the woman. It was the anointing. And that's how faith comes. Not just by a printed page. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the anointed word. Or the word of the anointed would be the accurate way to say it. So yeah, let's get them a Bible. But let's send them some preachers too. They need both of them. Uh, Common faith comes by hearing is developed by use. By walking in faith, by exercising. This is the same in essence, but it is not faith that comes by hearing. It's faith that comes by what? A gift. It's a gift of faith to you from the Lord. I want to read something to you. I know it will bless you. Brother Smith Wigglesworth is known as a man of faith. He preached faith. He lived faith. He practiced faith. And as you learn about some of these things, you'll see he had manifestations of gift of faith in his ministry quite a bit. And I want to read to you his own words 
about one of the very first times it happened. This is while he was still a plumber. He wasn't preaching full time yet. Said uh, when he came in from work one afternoon from plumbing. He, how many know we need Holy Ghost plumbers? Yes. Glory, to Glory to God. How many believe a plumber could have a gift of faith manifested in? Or a farmer or a mechanic? Housewife? Hmm? Grocery stock person? Hmm? Whoever. Because these things happen for who? We re- every man. Every believer we're talking about. He came in from work one afternoon, after work. He learned that a neighbor lady who had been sick had just died. One of his neighbors. He began to pray. And now these are his words I'm quoting now. He said, the lady lay on the bed and I began to penetrate the heavens with my prayers with what faith I had. Now you've got to remember, he hadn't been preaching for years at this time. He's still in the plumbing business. Hadn't had all the experiences of miracles that he was going to have later on. This is one of the very first ones. All the time, he said, my wife was shaking me and saying, stop praying. She's already dead. It's too late. But I just kept praying. (laughs) Directly, I came to the end of my faith. And when I did, I was conscious of a faith that took hold of me that could not be denied. (laughs) While I was praying in my own faith... It seemed as if the answer was no, no. But when this other faith came over me, I looked right up into heaven and said, yes, (laughs) yes. The next thing I knew, without intending to do it, without realizing I was doing it, I got hold of that woman and pulled her right out of bed. I stood her up against the wall and commanded her to walk in Jesus' name. And she started breathing and walking and was raised up. (laughs) What was that? Isn't that a good description of that? What was that? It was a gift of faith. Was it supernatural? Yeah. Yeah. Now, something I must get into more as we go on this, and it's, there's been things that, well, (laughs) how much time you got tonight? Things that have been kind of mixed together and muddied because of ignorance and and lack of teaching and even wrong teaching. But how many, this stirs something in your heart to hear this. I mean, this is God. This is powerful. This is wonderful. Can you see, he was very aware Of the difference between his faith. What faith was that? Common faith. Faith that all of us could have. Now he had some faith or he wouldn't have been praying about it. Right? And he was doing everything he knew how to do. And he just felt defeated. And he just wasn't getting the job done. And it wasn't enough. Let me read it to you again. He said directly I came to the end of my faith. And when I did, I was conscious of a faith that took hold of me that could not be denied. 
While I was praying in my own faith, it seemed as if it was no, no. That's how he felt in his spirit. It's like, no, this ain't happening. No, it ain't going to work. But when this other faith, (laughs) what other faith? It's not different faith in nature. It's not a different God. It's the same faith. How many understand you got faith and God's got faith? I wouldn't really have to say anything more, would I? I mean, (laughs) the Bible tells us we understand that it was by faith that God created the planets. How did he do it? He did it with his faith. Now, you got faith, too. It's the same kind of faith. It is the God kind of faith. It came from him. It's a measure of his faith. And yet, me and you are not creating planets. Why? Our faith ain't there. When we'd even try to think about it, you know, it, like he was saying, no, <laughs> no. But God is God. And if his man or woman is in a situation and, and their ability to believe just ain't quite cutting it, can he give them a dose of his faith? <laughs> Oh, glory. Can, can he give you a gift? Not, not all of his faith, not half of his faith, but, but some. Probably just a touch, but it wouldn't take much, right? So a measure, a gift of his faith that just comes into you and just comes over you and you feel like you're about 50 feet tall and nothing's impossible and you won't be denied. And it's got to happen. That is a gift of faith. It's supernatural. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Go to the book of Acts. Let me give you some examples of this from the Holy Word. You know, one thing you'll see in this illustration of Brother Wigglesworth is how faith is so real. It's a whole lot like physical strength. How many understand you could have a little strength or a lot of strength or no strength? And how many understand you can feed your body and exercise it and load it and make it stronger? You feed muscles and use those muscles and push them past where they're used to operating. And if everything's healthy, it'll get bigger and stronger. Faith is like that. But a lot of folk have not understood. Let me make this phrase, and if you had not heard it before, just keep it and ponder it around in your mind. Faith is not desire. I mean, if I wanted to work out and bench press 600 pounds, and I said, I really want to do it. (laughs) I really, really, really want to do it. Well... I ain't there. The strength is not in my body. It's not there. Could I possibly get there? It's possible. But am I there tonight? Or tomorrow? No. No. Faith is that way. A lot of folk have not understood that. They thought, well, I want so-and-so. I have faith. No, just because you want something doesn't mean you got faith. Wanting something and believing for it 
desiring it to happen and believing it to happen, two very different things. Well, I need it to happen. Needs not faith either. That's right. That's right. Faith is not need. Faith is not desire. Faith is faith. Faith is real. And it's so important that we don't wait till we have an issue or an attack or a problem to start working on our faith. Just like we don't wait till it's time for the race to start training. Right? How many of those smart people feed their faith on a regular basis? Smart people read their chapter. Smart people come to church. Smart people get their spirit fed, get their faith fed week after week, month after month. They use their faith. They stretch it. They use it. They walk in love. They walk in faith. And what will happen? If you walk with God, he will be getting you ready every day and every night and preparing you. And when things will come up, you'll realize he's got me ready. He's got me ready. I can overcome this. This is not going to take me down. But if you live a bad lifestyle and you never hear any word and you don't do what he tells you, even though things might seem like they're going along pretty good, something's going to happen. And you're going to be ready to just throw in the towel and quit and wish you were dead. The strength is not there. The faith is not there. What is the victory that overcomes the whole world, anything and everything that could ever be thrown at you? Even our faith. My faith. Your faith. Acts 3, are you there? How many know if people only knew... Every seat in here would be filled tonight. And every other church everywhere. Right? Those servers would be humming with people downloading stuff. Till it wasn't no use. We'd have to build whole buildings full of them. Hmm? And it could still happen. We're headed that way. But if people only knew the value of the anointed word. And what it would do for them and could do for them in their life. They would seek it and desire it. I know I found it years ago. Phyllis and I did. And we are never going back. (laughs) We've lived this way for decades. And it's the best life imaginable. And I know we've just touched the tip of it. And uh, this is our life. Hmm? How many agree with me? Say walking by faith. Living by faith. Living in the word. That's my life. It's my life. Not going to change. Not going back. Acts 3. Did you find it? Acts 3. Let me just begin reading in verse 1. You know the story, but read it with your eyes focused on a certain area. What are we looking for here? Huh? Gift of faith. Think you'll see it in here? Verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Not five minutes of prayer. Being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb. How long has he been this way? Since before he was born. He was this way in the womb. We'd call this a birth defect. He was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. He was laid there every day, daily, 
to ask alms or for handouts of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive what? Something like what? Money. He thought somebody stopped. They're talking to him. They said, look here. He figures, hey, about to get supper money. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Mrs. Peter had the pocketbook, I guess, or something. You know, I've done that. Go off without your pocketbook. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Why? He's there every day. They see him every day. They knew it was him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And uh, as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together into the porch that's called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Now we keep seeing that. Is this a wonder? It is. This is a wonder, a sign, a wonder. And when Peter saw it, he answered and said to the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus. Whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just. You desired a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. He's already a preaching Jesus, ain't he? And his name. Now get this, verse 16. This is the definition here. His name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Now, if he'd just stopped there, we might not have known how this happened. But read the rest of the verse. Yea, the what? The faith which is what? By him. Not in him. The faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Is that hitting your ear a little different now? Listen to these translations. The Amplified says, verse 16, Yes, the faith which is through and by him. Do you hear the difference? We're not talking about faith in Jesus. What are we talking? Faith by Jesus. The Weymouth's translation. It is his name. Faith in that name being the condition which has strengthened this man whom you behold and know. The faith which he has given. Weymouth's translation. The faith which he has given. Say that out loud. The faith Faith. 
which he has given. Now there's something we need to see really clear here. Because people have made all kind of mistakes with this. Like I was saying earlier, lack of teaching, ignorance, and then wrong teaching and misunderstanding. What caused this miracle of this man who was born like this? How many understand this is not just healing, this is a creative miracle too. Something had to happen. He wasn't sick. Something was wrong in his body. He didn't just need a restoration. He needed a miracle, didn't he? And it didn't happen gradually. I mean, he went from not being able to do anything to jumping, leaping. How many understand? He never learned how to walk when he was two years old. He's been like this from his mother's womb. And now, without the benefit of taking one step or two or learning how to get those legs, he's never used these legs his whole life. And now in a moment of time, the man leaps, he jumps, he runs. It's no wonder people were wondering in amazement. Now here's the implication. People have said, well, man, faith in the name of Jesus. If, and I've heard people say this. If you had faith in the name of Jesus enough, you could go do this with everybody. If we had enough faith in the name of Jesus, we'd go clean the hospitals out. Really? If that's true, then why hadn't somebody done it? Of all the people in the past generations, since the church began here, you mean there's nobody that had enough faith and that's what's wrong? Is this, We just don't have enough faith? Now let's think about this now. This man is laid at this gate when? Every day. Am I reading that right? Hmm? Look at the beginning of the chapter. What did it say? Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now let's just stop right here. Is this the first time Peter and John have been to the temple to pray? No. What does it mean the hour of prayer? What does that mean? That's an established thing they do I reckon every day or almost. And what else? A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid what? Daily at the gate. So is this the first time Peter and John have seen this man? It is not. Second, third, fourth. Uh Uh-uh. Who knows how many times they've seen this man. Let me tell you something else. It's entirely possible Jesus walked by this man. He says, oh, no, no, Jesus wouldn't have walked by him. He went to five porches of sick folk, ministered to one of them, and walked on. Someone said, I don't understand that. That don't seem right to me. don't seem fair to me. You know what you're saying when you say that? You're saying, if I was God, (laughs) and I had that kind of power, I'd heal everybody right now. So then you're more compassionate than he is. You're wiser than he is. You know better what needs to happen. No, you should just be quiet. (laughs) God does it right. Is it his will for all to be healed? Absolutely. Is it just like it's his will for all to be saved, born again? Is everybody born again? No. 
Somebody says, well, if I was God, I wouldn't let anybody go to hell. I'd make them all get saved. You'd do what? You wouldn't be God if you made somebody get saved. You wouldn't be him. How many glad he's God and the person sitting beside you is not? (laughs) Now, friend, this is so important. We got two ditches in these areas. We got people that don't believe in miracles. They won't even pray anybody to be to be healed unless they say, if it be thy will. And they take no responsibility for believing or trying to get anybody to believe. It's just dead. It's just nothing. And then you got people that read the scripture and go, glory to God, if I just had enough faith, I'd do something. And so they go to the hospital, and I know people have done this, and they drag people out of the bed that's got nothing but the little sheet on, you know. And people fall in the floor and are embarrassed. Did you hear me? They tell people throw away your insulin and and do this and do that. And people get sick and people have died. And so people say all this faith stuff doesn't work. That wasn't faith. That was somebody trying to do something. And here's the thing we got to understand. And I, the Lord ministered to me last week on this. I got revelation on this. And I, it's stirring me to my core. I knew it a little bit, but how many know what you, you can know something and not know it? I mean, I'm getting revelation of it. And what is that, Brother Keith? The servant is not above his master. But everyone that is matured and perfected will be as his master. Now that, you said a mouthful when you said that. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But notice what he said. Jesus said, I can of my own self do how much? Do how much? If it was true with him, what about you? Well, does that mean he did nothing? No. He did many works. But none of them... By his own power. Talking about Jesus. The master. So how did he do them? He said I do. Whatever I see. My father do. I say whatever I hear. My father say. What about Peter? See they're marveling at him. Him and John. They're looking at them like. What did you do? How did you do that? How did you do that? And see, we got masses of people in seminary and institution and Bible schools today that teach he was the first pope. And he could do that. He and John, they had special powers that they could just come by and turn on and zap you. And yet Peter, by the Holy Ghost, out of his own mouth, come on, did you read it? What did he say? Why are you looking at us? As though by our own power or holiness, we made this man to walk. So he's saying, we did not do it. You understand, if he could have done it, why hadn't he already done it? Hmm? Why did they walk by the man yesterday and the day before and last week? And last month, he was laying there begging six months ago, two years ago. He's a grown man. He's been like this all his life. They said they laid him there every day. Why hadn't they already done something? And see, we hear critics 
of faith and people that don't know God and don't even know what faith is go, well, you healers, you know, if you really were a healer, you, you'd be healing these people. You'd be doing something. It's not how it works. None of these gifts of the Spirit do we possess and can use as we choose. There's nobody that has a gift of healing and can heal you when they decide to. There's nobody that's got the gift of faith and can just believe all kind of stuff as they choose. No. We're talking about praying men. Tongue-talking men. Am I right now, Peter and John? This is the third chapter. What comes before the third chapter? And in the second chapter, what were these boys doing? They were talking in tongues. Is that right? These are tongue-talking men. And they're going up here to pray. They're praying men, tongue-talking men. Does this sound like what Brother Smith Wigglesworth described? We don't know everything they felt and saw, but how many know something happened? They've walked by this man who knows how many hundreds of times. They've done this day after day after day. But today, they're walking by and he says, any change for the poor? Any change for the poor? They've heard it so many times, it just sounds like part of the city now. And something happened. Something happened. (laughs) How many believe something dropped down in Peter and John's spirit that hadn't been there before? A gift of faith from God. And they looked at that man. How many understand boldness is coming out? He said, look here. Look on us. Now a few verses later, he says, don't look on us. But look on us. And then, I mean, he didn't ask the man if he had faith. Didn't ask the man what he believed. Are you ready to believe this? Will you receive this when I ministered? No, none of that. He said, I hadn't got any money on me, but I got something else. What you got, Peter? What you got? He's got a gift. He got a gift of faith. Well, then he had it from then on. He could do this everywhere he went. No, no, no. These things happen as the Spirit wills. To one this, to another this, one day this, another day that. He's the boss. He's the head. He's the Lord. Now go to the 14th chapter, though, real quickly. Let me give you a contrast, lest somebody that's hearing this for the first time not know the other side of this. Chapter 14. The Bible said in verse 6 that they came to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia, to the region that lies round about, and there they preached the gospel. What'd they do? Now, let's just, this is already a contrast. I want you to contrast this happening from the third chapter we just got through reading. Were they preaching to this man in Acts 3? No. But here they are. Now, the common faith we all can have, how does that come? It comes by hearing that anointed word. There said a certain man at Lystra, impotent, In his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. That sounds very similar to the other one. Looking at him from the outside, that'd be almost identical in circumstance. The same heard Paul speak. Paul was steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith. He had what? Who had faith? The lame man. Had faith for what? 
faith to be healed. Where did he get that faith? How does faith get? It comes by here. Paul must have been preaching on healing that day. Right? Had to be. And he had to be preaching it was the will of God for all of them to be healed. Had to be. I won't get into that, but he had to be. And he said with a loud voice. Now, it didn't say he left where he was speaking. Didn't say he came close to the man. He just said out loud, real loud. He said, stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. Somebody said, well, that's a gift of faith too, isn't it? No. No, it's not. This is what we'd call common faith that anybody can have. Where did he get it? How many can see now, what did that 16th verse in chapter 3 of Acts say? The faith which is by him, by Jesus, made that man whole. Not the faith that comes by here in the gospel. The faith which is by a gift of faith from Jesus, the head of the church. But I get as excited about this one as I do anything else. Why? Because I can't give myself a gift of faith, but I can preach the gospel. Is that right? And somebody can believe God. And you can have just as big a miracle. Just believe in the word of God. As with the gift of the spirit. Somebody say glory to God. So let's ask for the gifts of the spirit. Let's pray about them. Let's desire them. But we don't have to sit around twiddling our thumbs. Expecting nothing to happen until we get one. We can be preaching the gospel and believing. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can believe that. We can have faith in that. But then there ought to be some special things too. God would do some special things. How many understand? They are not in church yet. They're outside. On the street, so to speak. Right? God wants to do special things outside the church house. Hmm? And unless the Lord gives you some of these things, you know, people, you have to get them with you and get them to believe. Mrs. Well, that's always the case. No, there are times when even though people are not believing, God can do a special thing as a sign and a wonder. You can't do it. He can do it through you. Go to the ninth chapter of Acts. I'm going to take a few more minutes if you can. We got folk that drove a long ways to get here tonight. And uh, you want the whole load. I know you do. Nine and 32. It came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole, rise, get up, and make your bed. And he rose immediately, and all that dwelt at Lydda and Saren saw him and turned to the Lord. The whole town turned to the Lord because of this one miracle. Nothing is said about him preaching to the man or about the man's faith or about him believing or receiving this. How many can see something else happened here? He just speaks to him. Get up. And he was healed. Verse 36, keep reading. There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. The woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days she was sick and died. 
And they had washed her, and they laid her in the upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was near to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent to him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Peter arose and went with them, and when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made and she was, when, while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise, get up. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called, the saints and widows presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. Do we need these gifts of the Spirit to reach people that are not going to church and don't care, to shake people that think there's nothing to it? Do we need these things today, 2008? Yes, yes, yes. Don't you notice something? If Peter had the power to just raise this woman up, why didn't he just go in there and do it? I said he did. No, no. Show me what's the first thing he did. Why stop and pray? Hmm? If it's God's will for her to be healed, if it's God's will for her to be raised up. See, they're learning these things, aren't they? How to work with the Holy Spirit. How not to assume anything. He came in there and he knelt down and he prayed. And obviously, while he was praying, something happened. Didn't it? Something dropped in him. Can you raise somebody from the dead just because you try to believe it and do it? No, you can't. And see, that's where people have messed up, isn't it? People have tried to do things. Sometimes they meant well, but they just didn't understand. When it comes to you believing for yourself and your little kids, you don't have to wait for some gift of the Spirit. You can take authority over the enemy. You can receive your healing. You can by faith believe that you receive your miracle. You don't have to have a gift of the Spirit. But particularly when it comes to other people's lives and other situations, you can't just go in with your faith and straighten their life out and receive their miracle for them. And if people are not believing and cooperating, you would have to have a gift of the Spirit for something to happen. Now go with me, and I think I can close after this, but go with me to the, uh, well, are there two more instead of one here? that I, There's several of these, but I'm trying to see which ones to look at. Yeah, 13. Stop by 13. Acts 13. These happen, we've seen healings, healings, and people raised from the dead. But the gifts of the Spirit are not limited to that. They operate in other areas. Special faith or gift of faith operates in other areas. This is one of them. The Bible said in verse 5 and 6, they preached the word in this place. And when they had gone through the aisle, this is Acts 13, 6, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. He was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man. He called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So he is opposing them and talking against. While they're trying to preach, he's interrupting them. He's calling them liars. He's saying they're wrong. He's trying to keep the, the head man from hearing them. 
Verse 9. Are you looking at it? Then Saul, who is also called Paul. Here's a key phrase now. Filled with the Holy Ghost. He set his eyes on him and he said, oh, full of all subtlety and mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of the Lord is on you. You'll be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And the deputy, when he saw what was done, he believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. In judgment. Now, see, some people have got that all mixed up. They think, well, I'm, I'm in charge. I'm an apostle. I'm this and that. I'll just say this. and it'll happen. No, no, no. How much can you do of your own self? Nothing. Nothing. But the Holy Ghost can come on you yes, in a situation, and you can say something, and it happens. Yes, now, this is key with the gift of faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Do you hear? So when you see the gift of faith, what's going to be happening with it? You're, something's going to come up in you, a belief beyond what you normally could believe, and then you're going to speak. You're going to say something. And when you do, it comes to pass. How many remember when uh, Ananias and Sapphira lied? And they came in and Ananias fell fell dead. Sapphira came in three hours later. And what did Peter say to you? They just carried your husband out and they'll carry you out. And when he said it, boom. He said, well, Peter killed that woman. No, he didn't. No. Uh Uh-uh. It was something beyond him that he spoke and it happened. Now, finally. 16th chapter. Acts 16 and 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, she wouldn't have been making money unless she got some of these predictions right. Right? So she must be getting some, uh, at least some of them right. Uh, Now, when I say right, I'm not saying they were good, but some of the things must have been happening. Then the same followed Paul and us, cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they show to us the way of salvation. You say, why'd you say it like that? It would have sounded something like that. It's a young girl with a devil. Screaming and shrieking and crying out loud. And this she did what? Verse 18, are you there? This did she what? A day or two. Huh? Three or four days. I want to ask you a question. Why did Paul put up with that? Didn't he have authority in the name of Jesus? Isn't he a man of faith? Why did he put up with that? Let me ask you another question. Jesus, when a storm arose on the uh, the lake, the sea, what did he do? Well, when they woke him up. <laughs> he spoke to the wind and waves and calmed the storm. So say, yeah, but now he's Jesus. Brother. No, he's doing it as a man. He's not doing it as God. He's doing it as a man. Yes, sir. 
That's a whole other subject. But Paul is in the midst of this ship in this hurricane. You remember that? And the thing tossed night and day. Now they threw all the cargo out. They even threw the tackling of the ship. And it said after many days all hope was taken away that they should be saved. Everybody thought we're done. We're all going to die. Why didn't he stand up on the deck of that boat and calm that storm? Are y'all with me? Is that a question worth asking? The reason I ask it is because people, they've actually, good people, have felt pressure on themselves. That why am I not fixing everything for everybody? If I'm a man of faith, the name of Jesus is above every name. Why don't I fix everything for my family? Talking about your extended family now. Everybody I work with and everybody in my neighborhood. Why don't I just go into the hospital and clean it out? Why don't I? Jesus didn't. Paul didn't. Peter didn't. Are y'all with me? Jesus did not just go into town and heal everybody. In fact, in his own hometown, a lot of people did not get healed. Is this true or not? Yes. Now, everybody that came to Jesus believing him to be healed left healed. Everybody. But not everybody was healed everywhere he went. Paul, in the midst of that boat, you remember what he did? He got to praying and fasting. And the Lord spoke to him, sent an angel, didn't he? And what did he tell him? He said, y'all going to lose the ship. But nobody's going to die. Now when the Lord says you're going to lose the ship. Ain't no needing you getting up on the deck and rebuking and binding. Are y'all with me now? See people have just taken a little bit of knowledge. And just tried to do stuff in the flesh. And say well I ain't nothing to that. It don't work. Well it does work. But you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And you are not this amazing powerhouse that can just fix everything when you decide to. No, without him, you can do nothing. And we begin to get into the real key. How many remember Brother Hagin talking about he had noticed in his own life the more he prayed in the Spirit, the more of these things he had, the less he prayed in the Spirit, the less what? What are we talking about? What's the key? Maybe we can get into this some next week. But what's the key to us having more of this? Only one thing. Drawing closer to God. Spending more time in His presence. Praying in the Spirit. Come on now. Communing with Him. Getting close to Him. Walking with Him until you see some things and hear some things by His Spirit. And then you can do those things. Not just whatever you decide to do on an afternoon. Oh, can you see this, friends? Why did he put up with this young girl, this demon through her, screaming and carrying on for many days? Why? Let me, thinking about three more sermons right now. Uh, Why didn't he stand up on that deck of that ship and bind those winds and waves and calm that storm? Let me tell you one reason. Wasn't his boat. 
And so what's that got to do with it? Wasn't his boat. He told them what to do before they left port. The Spirit of God showed him, right? And he spoke to them. And he based it in so many words. He said, you do not need to leave. If you leave, you're gonna, this voyage is going to be with much harm and damage. Even to the loss of the ship and this load and our lives. Didn't he tell them that? Well, when the Lord tells you don't go, what should you do? You should not go. How many understand you ignore the Lord telling you not to go. It ain't going to fix everything for you to stand up and rebuke and bind after you go and get in trouble. And that's what people are trying to do. He said don't go. They go anyway. Then they're going to use their faith to fix it. Doesn't work. They didn't listen. Now they're in the trouble. In the other case where Jesus got up and calmed the windy waves, he told them to go. They're doing, they didn't want to go. And he told them to go. They're right in the middle of doing what he told them to do. And how many understand they had every right to take authority over this thing that's trying to hinder their ministry? With this girl here. Did this girl come and say, I want to be delivered? Help me? No. She's not coming to hear the word and get faith. She's not coming asking for help and deliverance. But then you can't just fix her life. Unless. <laughs> come on, are y'all there? Unless you get a gift. Oh, come on. Come on. Are y'all with me now? Many days. But Paul being grieved, he turned. After many days. And he said to the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of her. I guess whether she liked it or not. Whether they liked it or not. And he came out that same hour. She was free. And their little money maker was done. Now how many know he got in trouble over this? Oh man this cost him. So I want a gift of faith. I want a gift of faith. Well. Get ready for what comes next. (laughs) It's a lot of things go along with it. Not everybody's pleased when miracles happen. But God is. And we are. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's worship him some for a few minutes. Let's lift up our hands and our hearts. Father, we praise you tonight. We give you glory. You are so wonderful. You are so good. You are so good, so good, so good, so good. Praise your holiness. Praise your holy name. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gifts of your spirit. Thank you for the power gifts. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody just close your eyes. Pray this out loud after me. Father God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. How wonderful he is. Thank you for these amazing gifts of the Spirit. How wonderful they are. We covet them with our being, deep in our insides. We desire these things in your church, in our midst, in our lives, as you will. Teach us more about these things. 
Bring us into the fullness of it. Manifest yourself. According to all your desire. All your will. Stretch forth your hand. To do signs. And wonders. Healings. Miracles. Get glory to yourself. Not unto us. But unto yourself. Get glory to yourself. In Jesus name. We make ourselves available. Our churches. Our ministries. Our services. Our personal lives. Use us. As it pleases you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.